You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Hello, Michael. Andre, I'm I'm still hating on you from those airplane wines. I'm still feeling like immense satisfaction to pay you back for every stump the chump that you've ever made me do. If that's what you thought I was trying to do to you, then boy, I, I guess. Whatever. It was cool. You know, it was cool to have a discussion about um, about the Airlines. state of airline airline wine. Um, I think you and I both like we've both shared our affection for Air France. So, I mean, Air France, if you're listening to this and would like to help us out with some airfare, I'm sure we would love to go taste some wines in France and enjoy your hospitality. Absolutely. Uh, Air Canada, if you're looking for someone to audit your wines, we're more than happy to do that. But, but like like I said, like I'm I'm a bit surprised. I still, we're full disclosure. We're recording this immediately after the other one, so I haven't had a chance to um, to email Veronique to ask her about the state of sparkling wines on uh, on on Air Canada. But uh, I will hopefully follow up with that. So Andre, I've um, put a lot of thought in this because that we, must have hurt. It did. It was it was painful on the brain. And um, I, I realized, or or you said, well, what's what's a good topic? And I said, we could we could do another stump the chump. And you said, well, you know, that's only me that's going to be stumped. And I thought, okay, that's true. And I thought we could pick some wines out of the cellar, and we could taste them. And you said, that's an idea if if you've got uh, something of interest. Yeah. And. Well, it's just like I'm still riding on the high of like the underrated winemaker episode because a lot of people reached out to me on social media to have that have that discussion with me, like sort of off the record. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's just like sitting and tasting. I don't know. It's yeah. So I thought, okay, so what grape variety have we really not given any love to in any way, shape, or form? Cabernet Sauvignon. We've obviously done Riesling. Merlot. We've done uh, we did Cabernet Franc. We had yep. uh, we had Allison on for that. Yep. Riesling we do on our own usually. Yep. Um, obviously, uh, we also uh, Brian Schmidt does Cabernet Franc with us. We've given some love to sparkling wine yes. in the past, and you've basically made love to Chardonnay on the podcast for an entire year, over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and I thought to myself, what great and we you know Gamay with with Shiraz. Yep. Uh, so we've hit all the, as far as I'm concerned, the really big ones in Ontario. Oh, Syrah. We've done, you know, Pinot with uh, with Thomas. Yes, and uh, Ilya. And Ilya, and a whole bunch of others we've done yep. Pinot with. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, what other grape variety have we not given the, you know, the Riesling treatment to? It's where we open old bottles. Marquette? Oh, wait, there wouldn't so, be old ones. There wouldn't be old ones. Got it. So you hit it earlier. And it is Merlot. Oh, right on. So I've I've picked out five bottles of old Merlot. Now, granted, they're all hot vintage Merlot from well, Ontario. But I, I mean, that's one thing. If we go back to earlier episodes of uh, Two Guys Talking Wine, I've spent a lot of time hating on Merlot. And I, I obviously put an asterisk beside it because um, I think one of the underrated wines full stop in the province is the Peninsula Ridge Merlots. I think they do a fabulous job. Yeah, Um I, I don't know if they still make it from this particular vineyard, but the AJ Lep Merlot yep. has always been like solid, regardless of, of, of vintage. And it's it sort of like, in my mind, as a consumer and um, as I think a bit as a journalist, um, for me, Peninsula Ridge is synonymous with Merlot the way Cassaba is with Syrah. Okay, I would agree with that. So I have picked out five bottles 
of Merlot. Excellent. Three from the 2010 vintage. Oh, two excellent. from the 2012 vintage. Okay. So we have 12-year-old and 10-year-old Merlot. Now, I've always, I've always said that Merlot in Ontario needs time to mellow. Okay. Because I've never been thrilled with a with an early bottle of Merlot okay. from Ontario, but I always seem five years later I pour them and I'm like, yes, that's where it should have been. But by that time, you can't go out and buy any more, right? So, you never know. So, well, and, and sorry, just a quick pause before you open that too. Um, if we do a throwback to our legacy series uh, when we interviewed Alan Jackson, and we asked him what variety. Does he uh, th- does he think like Ontario is really well suited for? I remember falling out of my chair when he said Merlot. So uh, I I would I didn't want to disagree with him because he n- knew knows better than than we do. But now we're about to find out whether Ontario Merlot is is worth Alan Jackson's time. This smells great. This smells really really good. This is a Thirteenth t- Street 2010 Merlot. Just the straight. Ask Merlot. Like, there is nothing special about it. There's no reserve. There's no special vineyard. There's no single vineyard. It's screw cap. So in 2010, to put your wine under screw cap, you pretty much were saying this is our entry level. What's the VQA designation on it? Uh, it is Niagara Pen. Okay, so this could be from a few sites. This could be from some Niagara on the Lake. So, like, this, I think this potentially could be Irv Wilms. I think he has Merlot planted. And then uh, whatever they have on the estate. Now, granted, we are just opening these up as we go. So they may improve over the course of the evening. But that's pretty solid. That's stunning. That's a pretty solid bottle of 12-year-old Merlot. Okay, but to to me, this is what I love about when red wine gets aged. It still has some vibrant fruit to it. But it's got cocoa notes, and like and like the fruit is still like it's it's oh, electric. Nib. It's like it's like wild strawberry. There's some good acidity still here. Fantastic acidity. Um, what's the alcohol on it? Uh, let me guess. Is, let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, like thirteen, thirteen flat, twelve and a half. Mm. So it's just a dusty old bottle of Merlot that came out of the cellar, screw cap. But the tannin is so soft, like this rolls off the back of the tongue. Yeah, that, that's not going in the spit bucket, that's for sure. Holy crap. So, yeah, that I remember liking that um, right out of the gate. I thought it was a delicious bottle of Merlot. And it, it defied my expectations of of Merlot being when, when it was young. Because I was like, wow, that's, really, that's a really tasty bottle. And well, because I can see on the, on the back label, you paid $17 for this. Oh, is that what I... Yeah. Oh, so it was a $17 bottle of, of Merlot at the time. I figured it would age pretty good, and I think for 12 years, it's 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 done a, a nice job. This is my polite golf clap for it. So. Wow, so, and, and it's got like a little bit of like eucalyptus or, or mint like on the finish, but like it's it's very berry, like it's very subtle. I, I also get a subtle hint of VA, but I believe it'll blow off. Uh, I, I think if there is VA, it's, it's, it's harnessed, like, you know... I don't think anyone puts VA in their wines deliberately. No. But it can add some nice texture in the right amounts. So, now, I... I oh, this one, oh, good. Okay. So, I'm going to say that cork looks like it's going to come out. Uh, and let's just hope it does. It does. So, right on. So, now... Look at that cork. We have a Niagara Escarpment. Okay. 
2010. This one is Rosewoods Merlot. Just, just again, just their straight Merlot, not oh, the wow. reserve. At that this year, they also did a wild ferment Merlot. So, okay, this is another. Uh, so this would have been. Would this have been Ross? This is Natalie Spakowski, so their original winemaker. And she says to enjoy now or sell her till 2017. So we've gone way over 2017. Now. Oh, wait, I have to speak. I'm literally just smiling and, and nodding at the aromas on this. Hmm. I mean, it's... There's something this a little is another, more interesting. Okay, so the alcohol is 13.5 on this. The, the alcohol feels warm on the nose, and it's definitely getting in the way of the of the fruit on the initial impression. This this seems to me a little more complex. Uh, than 100%. It's the, got a little bit more depth, too. Uh, uh, sorry, I guess complexity and depth. Sorry, Michael. I'm just like saying the same thing as you. It's just like, for me, this is richer, darker. It's more plush. Um it, it's it's got like the nose seems hot though to me. The nose seems very hot. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is pushing closer to to fourteen. It's two thousand ten. It's a hot vintage, and and you want to you want to keep that you know label looking like it's cool climate, not warm climate. That is dangerously smooth though. Mm-hmm. Like it rolls right off the back of the tongue, even though the nose is quite hot. The uh, the um, the palate and the, the fruit notes, like, it's it's bone dry before I give the yep. tasting note, but, like, it's got fruit leather. Like, it tastes like a fruit roll-up. Um, it tastes like a fruit roll-up caressing cocoa nibs. Yeah, like I was going to say cocoa time. nibs are definitely there. I don't get a ton of acidity. Acidity is there, but it's it's not present. There's a little bit of spice that continues in this wine. Um, I don't even mind. Here's the thing is, I'm not even thinking about, about acid because the tannin's so soft, it rolls off the back of the tongue. It, it doesn't really linger. It is a sipping wine, this one, instead of a... Uh, whereas I thought the first one still had some food friendliness to it. This one is just, you know, pull it out, let's sip on it. Okay, but I'm getting ready to make um, like a spaghetti pomodoro tonight, like just a plain tomato sauce with a bit of garlic in it. And I think this would rise up to the challenge of that because the acid's going to come from the, from spaghetti, the spaghetti sauce. sauce yeah. And you'll get like a really great, really great pairing with that. And I think... The, the fact that I'm doing a simple tomato sauce with some beautiful tomatoes that I, I canned a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. I'm rubbing it in to everyone not here that you're not at my house for dinner tonight. But, like, I just, like, I, I agree with you. Like, this would be a tough... I think this would be a tough thing with, like, steak. I think you would be getting some conflict with text with uh, with textures, like a, a, t- a t- textural conflict on the back of the palate. But, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a glass of this with spaghetti tonight. All right. All right. And oh, you wow. Th- and you were thinking about opening something else. Yeah, not anymore. I wasn't expecting you to bring, like, the greatest hits of, like, decent Merlot, because I'm so skeptical. That- oh, you're coming up on my lap, Henry? Is that what's happening? All right. So, uh, a, a misgrab from the... This is what happens when you when you grab a bottle of wine um, in, in uh, the early morning. Um, so, we're going to save this for after. Qu'est-ce que c'est? It should have been the Ravine Vineyard Merlot. Okay, what is it? 2010, but it's the Meritage. So I just saw the oh, okay. MER and I went with it. So, you know what? Yeah, we'll save that for last. We'll save it for last because now we have two, um, two 2012s. And the first one 
is from Huff. So it's an unfiltered South Bay Merlot 2012, which is another hot vintage. Yes. And it is a vintage um, that was that was hot in both Prince Edward County and Niagara. Yeah, I remember I remember that summer. I, I remember so 2010 2012 was so I started writing about wine in 2010. Um and, and I mean the the reason I started to write about wine was uh because of the hot summer in 2010 it was a news story for that but as as a human being like as as a person who moved to Ontario if there's anything that made me really fall in love with the with the province, it was the 2010 and the 2012 summers having them so close together. So this one actually has some uh, winemaker's notes on it. It was picked at 22 and a half bricks. Sugar content is four grams per liter. Uh, 18 months in French oak, 40% new, uh, and 300 cases. It's a lot of new oak made from the South Bay Vineyard. I'd be curious if uh, if, if anyone would still be using 40% new oak in Ontario. Or in Prince Edward County, even. But uh, I mean, that being I, said, the, the the wood really isn't in the way, but it's definitely like I, this smells acidic. It's got like a, it's got a it's got a sangiovesity to it. And you do the antiprima, but tell me that there's not tomato leaf in this. Yeah, it it kind of smells underripe, um, and that was been that has been the, one of the biggest problems with the South Bay Vineyard, and they did plant it to a lot of Merlot at the time. Um, because Huff thought Merlot would be the uh, other red grape uh, or the red grape they wanted to concentrate on in Prince Edward County. They have subsequently moved uh, to, to where everybody else is in, in Pinot, but they always thought Merlot was going to be the grape. Well, I mean, it's the thing about Pinot, and it's the thing, it's the thing that I'm learning about, about Pinot. is like, Pinot is hard, man. Uh, like, the Bordeaux varieties have, have thicker skins. Like, they're definitely easier to farm so i can recognize why people would would want to give a shot to uh to a bordeaux variety okay you made a face when you tasted this wine i am I, so i i can say this um from knowledge that i have about the merlots from south bay they never really achieved the ripeness that huff wanted huff is subsequently sold south bay vineyard it's actually now part of light hall um, and it turns out that, as you would expect, 2020 eclipsed anything that was made uh, in 10, 12, 15, 16. But I, I don't agree Merlot, with you that this is. I don't agree with you that this is. Un, um, this is not ripe. I, I, I don't think it's as ripe as the Rosewood in the 13th Street. But well, 22 and a half bricks says that it's ripe. But I think, I think there's good balance here. I, and, I, and I mean, apart from the tomato leaf on the on the nose, like it's it's definitely like cherry. Uh, a little bit of cranberry. Oh yeah, you really hate this wine. I do not like it. It is not. I find that herbaceousness to be overpowering. That there's very little in the way of, of a fruit characteristic that I am liking and want to drink more of. So for the, I, for, for the first time, I'm going to spit bucket that one. Um, I am not spit bucketing this one. I, I do think it's the weakest of the um, the three that we've opened so far. Um, but I think there's a lot of redeeming qualities, redeeming qualities to this. Namely, it's got decent acidity. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not knocking the acidity. I think, I the, think the and I think the savory notes are, are well harnessed. Like I don't think they're overpowering because like I've drank, I've drank enough like really green merlots, and they're like merlot does not take well 
two green notes. Like, there's nothing worse than an underripe Merlot, except maybe an underripe Cabernet Sauvignon. But, like... And this, this to me, hits underripe notes more than any of the other two. Um, it's just not a wine that I'm thinking, wow, that sings in the glass, sings on my palate. And I do not think it gets better the longer it's open. I do not think it it is going to open well. I think it's going to... It'll pair well with your tomato because you're missing the stock. Okay, gotcha. Um... I, you know, I'm going to agree. To, I'm going to agree to disagree with, with you on this, just because I, I, I frankly don't want to give this this wine any more airtime because it's not. It's our, I already said it's not the best of the three wines, and we're, we're we're debating who's winning. Who's winning? Probably fourth place on this table. Okay. So now we got uh, Calamus, 2012 Merlot. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, also Niagara, Niagara Peninsula. So. And it is also screw cap. So, in my in my so choosing. Oh, look at the color on that! Holy crap, man! In my choosing, I wanted to pick some screw cap, and I wanted to pick some cork wines. I wanted to get a little cross section of Ontario. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I think we've learned doing these lookbacks, these retrospectives of of your cellar is that. Okay, I don't know if that's a good reaction, but. Um, you didn't say it, but if you had, it would have been going in the the now defunct swear jar. And would you not be swearing now? Smell that. Smell that. It's it smells young still. Yep. I mean, this is 2012, and and a lot of the other 2012s that I've got downstairs, or the 2012s that I've opened, are are showing their age. This is a screw cap, little little VA, but I'm going to say that blows off. I think it's a I think it's a part of um, of the uh, the nature of screw cap, an older screw cap. The nose is pretty good though. Now you kind of sipped it, and you're giving me the, the head bob. Yeah, I shook my I, sh- I shook my head a little bit. Um, I, I like I appreciate all, all four of these wines. Like the the wines are are solid, but I mean this is uh, this is not super ex- super exciting. You know, um, I find the wood gets in the way here, and I don't know if if on the back it tells us um, it does not. Well, this has been um, Arthur Harder making this? This has been Arthur Harder, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, one of the, if I'm not not mistaken, one of the writers uh, uh, from Ontario, and I can't remember who, had said that a lot of the 12s suffer from uh, overpressing, maybe a little overmaceration, maybe a little too long on the skins, which I think is the exact same thing. So I, but, and, and, and um, I would have to say that I think I'm agreeing, especially here, uh, because I think I am getting uh, more tannin than you would think. I believe that um, it was either Michael Vaughn or Conrad Edgebick that said that. So I, I know Conrad listens to the podcast once in a while. I don't know if Michael Vaughn knows what a podcast is, so if someone wants to give him a call and, and, and quote him on that, I, I'd certainly appreciate the verification. Uh, and I say that with affection because I love I love talking to we love talking to Michael Vaughn, even Oop. if he can be a little long winded from time to time. He knows a lot, but it sounds it does sound like a Michael Vaughn thing to say. I'm um, yeah, I think we're. We're angling for third place on the on the Calamus. I think it goes between the 13th Street and the Rosewood. 
I think we're looking Rosewood, Thirteenth Street, yeah, Calamus, yeah. and uh, and Huff. Are we agreeing? Are we agreeing? Uh, yeah, we're I think agreeing. so. Because yeah. I think the Rosewood has uh, the more complexity that I would want, whereas the whereas the Thirteenth Street is a straight, um, you know, pretty simple wine, but still very very good. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, like it's it's neck and neck. I told everyone what I'm making for for dinner, and um, you know, if I can wax a little bit poetic about like like having a chance to visit. Italy earlier this year, and every time I've, I've visited Italy, it's just like, like my heart belongs to French cuisine, and I think a lot of people who've been to my house for dinner know how much I love French wines, but having a chance to dive a little bit more into Italy bit by bit, the strength of Italian, really great Italian cuisine, is, you know, in, in my mind, it was too simple, but then when you learn that if you use really high-quality ingredients, that simplicity really comes to life, and... I highly recommend that anyone who hasn't read um, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, uh, because he... God ta- rest his soul. Yes. Uh, but he talks about his sort of, um, like, mia culpa with his impressions of Italian cuisine, and it was it was similar to mine until he worked at a really good Italian restaurant. So, oh, I see you're struggling. Yeah, that's not coming out easy. Uh, oh. So, right. anyways... Uh, I'm looking forward to dinner tonight because we got this really great Merlot. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to put a hole through this cork. That's fine. Um, this is where I will uh, put a quick drop and uh, go grab a sieve so we don't get uh, chunks of cork. All right, so we've gone Meritage now. Yeah, so my my bad. I, I picked these out first thing in the morning and my eyes just weren't you know up to snuff that time of morning it means the 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 merlot is still sitting there well that um that cork is eviscerated uh we ran this through um a hand a hand sieve like just to get rid of the chunks and there's still little uh little floaties and oh my god look at the color on this and you can also see you can see there's a like a like a stuck portion uh right here it's like a little nebula you know uh Good, cork, good corks aren't cheap, and, and and that's something um, I can definitely relate to, like what wineries are dealing with in terms of like keeping their costs down and everything. Um, I know, I know, Adam Kern, who makes the wine for the ADX Wine Company, he's got his own stuff that will hopefully eventually come to market. But he spent a crap ton of money on really expensive, like cork corks, not the composite corks, but like yep. actual corks. It's just this like, is a cork cork as well. Um, I am very much in love with the the composite corks. I think for this reason, um, I'm thrilled to keep using screw caps for when pigs fly. I'm sure as my company progresses, we'll eventually move to screw caps at some point. Um, I, I mean, would. well, I mean, it's one of those things too where like people still drink with their eyes and the romantic notion of opening up a cork, right? So like we still use corks and and a dot of wax on the bottles. I will. I will be honest. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Um romanticized about what I had to do to that cork. No, and I mean, that's the thing, too, is, like, you have a, you have a Durand, yep. which is, like, a, it's a very good tool to get out old corks if you've got a collection like this, and once again, if you work for Durand and would like to sponsor the podcast, I mean, it is a very good tool, but at the same time, like, who, how many people with wine collections know about that tool, know Correct. about, like, I didn't, what's going on? I didn't on even know and, about it until a friend of mine, Rodney uh, Hertz from uh, Ohio, yeah. had, uh, uh, he, he came up with... Um, he bought a whole bunch of old Burgundy, and he ended up with the Durand. Now that said, this this Meritage feels a little hot. 
It's from St. David's. Oh, I don't feel it doesn't feel hot to me. Which is which is a hot place. And put it this way, in St. David's, that's where Creekside grows their Syrah. Uh, so you know it's got to be a hotter area. Yep. And obviously, Shadow to Charm is in St. David. But I thought the nose was a little hot. I, I did not get heat on the nose. But that palate has got lovely fruit. Yes, the, the palate's plush. Uh, it's got it's got little like violet notes too. Little violets, little blueberry, blackberry. This to me tastes pretty young, and it is one of the older wines on the table. It is a 2010. And, and that's it for. And, and this is where we remind the listeners once again that you like old wines. Yes, I do not like really old wines. So this is twelve years. This old. is this is drink now for Andre because it's still got a lot of like plush fruit. It's yeah. starting to dry out. The violets aren't fresh violets. They're more like grandma's bathroom violets. Like it's a potpourri violet. Okay. Um, the acid is really nicely balanced, and um, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying this. But here's the thing: is if I had any of this in my cellar, I would be pulling them all out and planning my dinners for the next like few months to be like, okay, we're opening these now. Well, the sad part is. It would have been great to see that Merlot because obviously Merlot is a portion of that, but it would have been really nice to see that St. David's Merlot. Well, maybe bring it to the next one, and, and we'll do we'll do a retrospective. Like, like I said, I think the Thirteenth Week, the Rosewood, are quite vivid in the impressions that they're making on us. Um, and and frankly, I, I I like the wines from Ravine. I, I like the marketing from Ravine. I like the location where they grow their grow their grapes. I don't know if the Merlot from Ravine will hold up to what we've tasted from Rosewood and 13th Street. There's only one way to find out. I guess we got to go and drive down to uh, St. Catharines and go grab it right now. If that's what we're going to do. But then we'd miss that fabulous dinner you're going to cook. I know. Isn't it going to be great? It's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be so good. I'm Andre Proof from underwinereview.ca. It's time to start cooking dinner. Um, follow me on social media at underwinereview. And support the podcast, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. I'm Michael Pincus of michaelpincuswinereview.com. Uh, follow me as the grape guy or Michael Pincus. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'm glad we uh, we gave Merlot a little love, Andre, because this is yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think we need to do this again. Yeah, this was, this was surprisingly good. It was. And no Peninsula Ridge. Like, what the hell, man? I figured that one was, a, was just a slam dunk. All right, well, take us away. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.